I'm Ben Amos. Join me as we dive deep into how some of the best in business, marketing, content creation, and education wield powerful and effective stories to engage audiences and drive action. Welcome to Engage With Story. I used to regularly make my wife cry. Like clockwork, multiple times a week, I'd find her crying. At first I was bemused more than anything, but soon I began to use her tears as an indicator that I was on the right track. Let me explain. When I first started my video production business back in 2009, I was primarily a wedding videographer. Throughout the first months of the business, I was filming and editing wedding videos in the way I'd been shown when I cut my teeth working for a company on the west coast of Ireland. Now, these were documentary style wedding videos. You know, the ones soft lighting and beautiful shots montaged together to the sounds of Ronan Keating or something like that. However, not long after starting the business, I came across the work of a little video company called Still Motion, and my whole view on wedding films changed. And this is where my wife's tears began. You see, Still Motion became one of the leading pioneers in using storytelling effectively in wedding films. And their work inspired so many in the industry at the time, including myself. And as I began to explore the process of working story into the wedding films I was producing, my wife began to engage more with each film that she was proofing and found herself regularly crying happy tears for couples who she had never even met. All thanks to the power of story. Today on Engage With Story, I'm honoured and excited to bring you the man behind this inspiration from so many years ago. My guest today is quite literally obsessed with story. He believes that story is unparalleled in its ability to bring people together. And so he spends his days telling stories through his filmmaking at Still Motion and helping others to be empowered by story through their muse storytelling process. He believes that we must guide the heart, but move the mind. That we need to connect emotionally if we want to change the behavior or perspective of our audience. It's this philosophy that he lives and breathes and that he's presented to global business leaders at the United Nations in 2014 and on a TEDx stage. Look, he's worked for some big brands. He's directed several documentaries and even won some Emmys. But more than any of that, He's just a, a real genuine guy that loves the craft of filmmaking and believes it's a skeleton key to unlock so much wonder in this world. He is Patrick Moreau, and if you've never heard him speak before, you are in for a real treat as a lover of story. In this episode, Patrick helps us better understand story as we unpack his journey from wedding filmmaking to telling stories for big brands such as the NFL, and winning Emmy Awards for their films. He talks about the research and science behind why story is the single most powerful form of communication. We break down the Muse storytelling process and the four pillars of story as we apply these to communicating a brand story. We talk about why Patrick's company, Muse Storytelling, have challenged themselves to produce original content and find their own stories to tell their web series, The Remarkable Ones, and what you can do to help. 
Now, I can't wait to share this chat with you. I've so much respect for Patrick and his deep understanding of and passion for storytelling and helping others to tell better stories. I know you're going to get absolutely so much value from this. So I'm going to shut up now and let's get into the chat with Patrick Moreau from Muse Storytelling. So Patrick Moreau, thank you uh, for joining me today on Engage With Story. It's great to have you. Thank you for having me. It is always an awesome opportunity when I can join somebody who also loves story and we can, you know, discuss its merits and kind of dive into the deep structure of what it actually is. Yeah, so I was explaining to Patrick before we pressed record on this interview that when I came up with the concept for Engage With Story, uh, Patrick was really at the top of my hit list or one of the people at the top of my hit list because Patrick really lives and breathes story. Um, For those listeners that haven't heard of Patrick before and the work that Still Motion or Muse Storytelling do, I gave you a bit of a a brief introduction uh, before this interview kicked off. But what I want to do today is to start with where that love of story came from for you. So it's, it's obviously, you know, ingrained in everything that you do today, but where did that, where did that start for you? Yeah, I, you know, my love of story didn't start as a love of story. It actually started as a love of wanting to communicate something and wanting people to give a shit. I mean, it was, you know, as a university student studying uh, psychology and just learning about, um, you know, Stanley Milgram experiments on authority and the things that would happen inside some of these research papers. But if you've tried to read a research paper, a lot of people just can't do it. Like it's just, it's too thick. The way it's communicated doesn't work. And so it started as a, you know, wanting to create content, a documentary as a way of expressing ideas. Um, It was through many years of trial and error and creating films and videos that, you know, we, we actually started to realize that the best way to actually do this was story. Um, and, and since that understanding and that insight, we've then dove into what that actually means and reading books by Joseph Campbell and, you know, Hero Thousand Faces and diving into many different theories on story, going all the way back to like Aristotle and like the, you know, ethos and pathos and like how we actually narrative transportation and all of these different ways of persuasion and communication and the different kind of scholars along the years um, to really understand story better once. But but it took a while to actually get to the point where um, I even knew that that was a thing, that that was the thing, <laughs> you know, that was making a difference. One piece of content would work. One v- wedding video would really land or one commercial piece would really hit and another one wouldn't. And I didn't really know what it was. And all, for a lot of it, you think it's the lighting or the camera choice or getting lucky that somebody was emotional or this or that. Um, and as you step back, you really start to learn that it's much more about this thing called story. Yeah. I mean, for me, um, it, when I got my start in video production in, in wedding films, uh, I was coming to that from a background of teaching high school. So I taught film and, and media studies in high school. So teaching an un, uh, that theory to students and unfortunately the way the high school system was set up, a lot of it was theory. It wasn't so much um, filmmaking as such that we were teaching in school. And I was coming from a theoretical background of teaching the hero's journey and teaching Campbell and teaching theory of storytelling and filmmaking. Um, and then I started a production company and was doing what other people were doing around wedding films. And it was more of that documentary style. Mm-hmm. And um, I, fe- I, I felt there was a disconnect. I felt there was something missing. And when I 
first discovered what still motion were doing, there was that inspiration I looked for. Um, and, you know, I think what you touched on there is uh, the idea that you weren't necessarily looking to to tell a particular story, but you're looking to make that connection with those wedding films. Is that it, like, where did you, how did you kind of integrate story into those early, early wedding films that you were doing um, when you started taking that approach? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think when you really, I've done a lot of workshops across the globe. And one of the, my favorite questions when I open up a workshop is why do you do what you do? And just asking people why they're a filmmaker, a photographer in marketing, communications, whatever it is. And, you know, you find one of the most common answers is either they have something, you know, they want to make people think about something or they want to make people feel something, right? And you go back to that connection, the connection of ideas and the connection of emotions and kind of bringing people closer to something. And, I think early on, we started to get a really powerful response to some of our wedding videos. Um, and by powerful response, I mean like batshit crazy stuff was happening. You know, Canon took a wedding and they put it on a national commercial. They turned it into something that like you're watching Grey's Anatomy or House and like our wedding footage was a commercial for a camera. Raw wedding footage cut into a, you know, a spot. Um, and then the NFL sees a wedding and it lands us a commercial job. And I'm on a shoot with, with Phil Mickelson, who's the best golfer in the world at the time. And the director from the agency comes up and he goes, oh, hey, in that Stu and Dana wedding film, you had a shot like this. Could we do that with Phil? And I'm like, what? Like you're, you're referencing a wedding we shot and how I should shoot the best golfer in the world. And it was just like, whoa, like this stuff is really making an impact on people. And we always related it to the idea that a wedding, that the people are everything and the wedding is a backdrop, right? And so regardless of whatever medium you're in, because we took that same philosophy into our work with the NFL was, you know, the, the people are everything and even the football, the sport is the backdrop. And, you know, story is nothing more than the experience of people and really getting to know and sharing that. Um, and so that's really what, what our weddings were. I don't want to say unintentionally, but serendipitously, <laughs> you know, early on, you get psych students making a wedding video. And what do you get? This, like this really, you know, the, this, content that really gets at who they are and what makes them different and is original. Um, when a lot of people at the time were doing stuff that, um, and you'll find it today where the couples are homogenous, meaning you could switch, you know, the two people out and it could be two other people getting married, but it'd be filmed the exact same way because of the location and the venues and the details and everything else. I mean, that's what was different about us. We would approach it based on who they were and what this day meant to them and what they meant to each other. And it was just that it led to completely different ideas and ways of approaching it. But at the end of the day, you'd watch one of the films and you'd feel like you actually knew these people. And that was the magic. And I mean, that's what story is. It's the conveying of an experience. And that's, uh, that's what was really hitting people. And if we were to take the, the medium of the story out of the equation, whether it be wedding films or, or branded films or, or whatever storytelling medium you're using, why do you think it is that story is such a powerful form of communication at its, at its base level? Well, I should preface this by saying, you know, I've spent the last five years doing nothing but researching story. So I'm going to actually give you more of the scientific basis on, I'll give you three reasons why story is the post, the most powerful form of communication. Yeah. And I'm talking whether it's written, whether it's oral, whether it's a film, whether it's a graphic, you know, story is the most powerful way we can communicate. And one of the first reasons is that 
facts and figures just don't convert. We're tired of being told what to think, how to feel, what we should do, right? And the difference between a fact saying there's 66 million girls who, you know, um, aren't educated in the developing world versus zooming in on one of those girls and telling a story of her um, is that we allow the viewer to come to their own conclusions. If I tell you a story, you can be a witness and you can go on a journey and you can decide if you want to get involved, right? When we did this in Uganda, we told the story of a family versus hitting you over the head with how bad the situation was and what you need to do. So that's a big part of it is you're allowing people to come to their own conclusions versus telling them what to think and what to feel, which is what a fact does. Um, part of the way that operates is by affecting people emotionally. And a lot of us don't realize we, we like to believe that we are rational, but we are actually, when you dive into it, far more rationalizing, meaning we have certain feelings and we make decisions and then we back it up with our rational brain. Right. And, and there's so many studies that kind of back that up where you can, you know, you can get somebody to put a pencil in their mouth and it makes them spot, smile and they report their subjective well-being as being higher. Or I could ask you to close your eyes and imagine you're on a beach and you would imagine the room is warmer. You know, you can give somebody a warm um, cloth to hold and they will think that you are nicer. Like there is just this crazy stuff around the things that actually affect our experience and what we think. Yet we always go back and go, oh, no, well, they were just really they were just nicer. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the cloth of my chair or the temperature of the room or, you know, because we don't understand those things. Um, and so story is an incredibly powerful way of moving people emotionally. And it turns out that emotion ends up being one of the most powerful drivers of behavior. Um, and so when you put that together, you get a way of instead of communicating facts, you're communicating an experience that allows the viewer to be a witness and moves them emotionally. And together, that is far more powerful than any other way of communicating. I think it's um, we kind of feel, I think, as humans that we have some kind of control over how we feel and in situations, but we really don't. It's kind of almost hardwired in, into our into our brain, into our the way that we're put together as humans, isn't it? And, and that's really what I think story taps into is that, uh, you, you know, that science behind how our brain is wired in a way. Yeah. Well, and what's really interesting is if you think back to like, if you think back to emotions and why and how emotions would have evolved from a very primal sense, it's about being able to quickly kind of judge a situation and fight or flight. What should I do? Right. Without me having to process, there's a bear. I need to get out of here. Right. Like that is the origins of emotion driving our behavior. And we just don't realize how much of a role it plays. You know, and there's there's a, a story of a guy named Elliot who had brain damage. And um, because of brain damage, um, he actually was not able to experience emotions. So everything else was fine, but he couldn't experience any emotions. And the doctors completely checked him over. Everything seemed to be totally fine. They check him out of the hospital, and within weeks, his life falls apart. He loses his job. His wife leaves him. Like, everything falls apart. And it's crazy because the only thing that was missing was his ability to experience emotions. But what happened because of that is he lost the ability to make a decision. So using a paper or a pencil, you know, a, a pen or a pencil took half an hour. Or roast beef or turkey for lunch would take 45 minutes. And, like, that is such a powerful story, an example of – how emotions play such a guiding role in what we actually have for lunch when we like to think it's entirely rational. You know, when you remove it, we have such a hard time making a decision. Yeah. Yeah. Is there, is there more to that? You mentioned before there were three things that, um, kind of, 
you know, sum up the power of story from a human connection perspective? Yeah, the, I mean, the, the other one is, is a little bit more technical, so I wasn't going to go there, um, but we can make Please it really simple. Yeah, go there. Yeah. <laughs> we can go there. Um, it, there's an idea in psychology called narrative transfer narrative transportation. But quite simply, you can think about it as um, packing your bags and going on a trip where you might travel from, you know, Australia to Bali. And the idea is that in a story, you are literally taking a trip, you're packing your bags, and you're going into that world of the story. And so the degree to which you are in the story, as opposed to in your current environment, right? Right now, you and I are doing this podcast and how much a listener is listening to what I'm saying versus going, oh, wait, there's traffic outside and what are the lights doing? And I'm checking my Facebook. All of those would take you outside of the story. But the way you are immersed in a story is your amount of narrative transportation. Mm. Does, that, does that kind of make sense as, yeah. a, as a concept? Yeah, absolutely. So, so what they find is the more you can transport somebody inside the story – Right. So the more you are just fully immersed in what I'm actually sharing, the more you actually change the way you see the world in a way that's consistent with the story. Yeah. And so they, they've tested this in many ways. But one of the ways was um, having participants read a short story um, called Murder in the Mall. And it was a true story of a young girl getting stabbed by a psych patient that got out. Right. And so just simple story, uh, a patient gets loose into the into the mall and ends up killing somebody. And you read this kind of tragedy. But then the actual key was at the end was how did you feel about, you know, how fair things are and the controls around psychiatric patients and things that you would, you know, could be a great conversation after reading the story. And what you find is the more people were transported in the story the more they believe things consistent with that story. We need tighter controls and the world isn't fair. And um, and what is really mind-blowing is it made no difference whether it was told to them as being true or not. Meaning they would set it up and go, this is an entirely false story. And then you'd read it, yet you would still change how you saw the world. Your beliefs would still be swayed by that experience and everything else, which is such a powerful reminder with what you see in the political climate in the in the U.S. today, where there's a, a disillusion of truth, yet there's still such an incredible um, power behind what people can say, because if you can transport them in the story, it doesn't actually matter if it's true or not. You're yeah. still giving them, them that emotional experience in a way that makes sense to them, and they can still come to that kind of conclusion. Um, and so it's incredibly powerful in not just driving behavior, but changing the way people think and see the world. Yeah, I love that. And I love the idea of narrative transportation there. I think the, the tagline, I guess, for this podcast, Engage With Story, is exploring how story moves people to take action. And I think that idea of transportation is at the heart of that idea of, you know, story needing to, to actually transport you through the narrative. And I don't think you do that without that, that idea of narrative transportation where, where you're in the story enough to, move, to, to be moved to think differently about something, which I think is really powerful. I think on that, though... What we're talking about here in order to, I guess, use story as a tool is that ability to craft a story or to to practice the art of storytelling in a way to have a particular outcome, um, which mm -hmm. is something that I believe you've, you know, spent a good amount of time on. Um, and yes. something that I think the listeners of this podcast are really interested in exploring is the idea of how can I, you know, I understand the power of story, but how can I actually use that understanding to, to move people towards a particular outcome. So 
you know, is there a particular structure that you follow or is that more a creative process or intuitive process based on your understanding of story or? So, I mean, we are muse storytelling, right? So we actually have a storytelling process in a, in a structure, in a way that you can create content that is going to move people emotionally and create the actual action that you want. And, um, you know, that's a massive online course that is, you know, taught in universities and used by groups like Apple and, you know, that kind of thing to really create their content. The very simple way to think about our approach to story, though, is like ingredients in baking, right, where you might have sugar, water, flour and salt to say, you know, as four ingredients to make a cake and that there are these main ingredients to story and that each one has a role. Like sugar might make a cake sweet. You have characters in story and their primary role is to create emotional connection. And so um, what you notice when you make a cake is if you skip an ingredient such as gluten, all of a sudden it doesn't taste so good. And that's what we often don't realize as storytellers or content creators is that there are actually just four main ingredients and then each one has a role. And often when we're creating something that's not landing because it's not, you know, people aren't moved or they're not understanding and taking the right action or they're not engaged and they're, you know, clicking off halfway through is each one of those is the symptom of an underlying missing that ingredient. Um, so we look at it as four main ingredients, people, places, plot, and purpose, right? People being the characters, places being where your story happens, which makes sense in a filmmaking, but even orally, right? When I can take you into a football field or wherever the story happens, uh, purpose being the actual meaning, and then plot being the structure. Um, and each one of those ingredients then has an actual outcome, like sugar makes a cake sweet, people lead to emotional connection. Plot and the structure leads to the engagement. Um, and so it's by maximizing the four ingredients in the best way you can with whatever your constraints are. You know, it, it's not about going, oh my God, you have to spend months developing the perfect story because we all know that sometimes I've got five minutes to write a Facebook post. But if I still leverage these ingredients, I can create the most emotional connection and action and engagement. Um, so it's about maximizing the ingredients in whatever situation you find yourself if it's a story that you want to tell and it's a strong story that you're after. So those those four main ingredients, people, place, purpose and plot, I think, um, you know, from a, a narrative or, or filmmaking or, you know, Hollywood blockbuster sense, I think people – understand so, or, or can make an easier understanding of, of how those four, four pillars of story work together. But, you know, if you are trying to, say, communicate a, a brand story or a, a story in a, in a corporate sense, um, how can you, can you quickly run us through how you can apply those, those four ingredients to what may be seen as more of a mundane, uh, you know, corporate story? Yeah, sure. What's the brand? So, Let's just use a, a fictional law firm, for example. We, in our business, we do a lot of work with professional services and law firms. So let's pick a, a law firm and use that as an example. Great. So you've got a law firm. What kind of law do they practice? Let's say it's commercial law, real estate, um, that kind of thing, business law. So you've got commercial, real estate, business law. So as we look at the four pillars, you start with people. And so, you know, let's imagine that we're telling, let's just imagine we're doing a simple branded story. Right. Whether it's a film, whether it's, a, you know, a about us page, but we're just trying to tell the story of the law firm as a way of getting more customers. That's probably the simplest way to approach this. Right. Yeah. So as we look at people, then we're going, what is the perspective through which the story is told? So 
That is specifically what is the characters in that story. So are we talking about maybe the three founding partners, that it's Jacobson, Johnson, and Jack, and you know which one of the partners' perspective is it? Because where we normally start as content creators is you're just going to tell me who's in it and I'm just going to go out and kind of include them every, you know, I'll include everybody. And it becomes more of a political thing or a automatic thing as opposed to realizing actually the person and the perspective is one of the most, if not the most critical decisions. So what we do is we talk to Jacobson and Jackson and, you know, the three partners and we get understand who they are and their motivations. What, why are they lawyers? I mean, simplest thing is desire story at its simplest is the opposing forces of desire and conflict. So when you think about people, you're looking at desire. What is it that each one of those wants? And so maybe one partner, they are doing this because, you know, they just family pressure right? They grew up and the family said they had to be a lawyer, whereas somebody else, they, you know, thought they could make a lot of money. Um, and then somebody else, maybe they had, uh, a family that, you know, everybody was in small businesses and they found that things were falling apart often because they didn't actually have contracts or anything written out. And so they had family members that would like lost their business and would run into all of these problems because they didn't actually have any kind of structure, contracts, any kind of legal protection. And that this one partner decided that they thought they could actually make a difference in that. And so now you've got this really strong desire that you connect with, and you can see that those different perspectives are going to create a completely different connection with the audience, right? So that first decision is what is the perspective that you're going to kind of take for the story? What is the character that you're highlighting? So in this example, we are going to take the character who grew up with families and, you know, businesses were falling apart just because there wasn't simple legal protection and contracts in place, right? Yeah. So then we dive into places and now we go, okay, so where does this actual story take place? Because if I just say, hey, look, you know, um, I'm Jack and my family had all these problems and, you know, this is why I do this. We're back to facts again, right? So what we actually need to do is we need to think about the places that actually convey that story, the places that take us into the real moments where this happens, right? So you want to bring us back to the time when Jack was 15 and he gets up at 11 o'clock at night and here's his aunt and uncle sitting with his parents and they're just devastated crying at the kitchen table because they just lost their business. And it was over nothing. It was a stupid argument over delivery dates and everything else. But because there was no contract, they aren't getting paid and, you know, their business is going under. And how Jack felt in that moment walking down, not understanding and not feeling like the world was fair. You know, how could they do everything they were supposed to? But because there wasn't a piece of paper, you know, yeah. the whole business fell apart and they lost it. Right. That's a place you are in that living room and what it feels like and sounds like and where he is. And you get that moment that impacted Jack so much. So. That's the places, right? We're thinking about those actual environments, which gets us away from just saying, here's who I am and how I feel and what I do. Purpose is what is the goal? What, why are we doing this? It's very common in a documentary that we overpurpose them in, the, in that all we do is talk about what you should do and, and that kind of thing, right? So in, our, in the Muse process, we really get away from that and we create a series of keywords that relate to the tone, the feeling, what the action, you know, how you want people to uh, feel and do as re related to this. Very simply, you're creating the branded film for the law firm. Their purpose could be, we want more customers, mm -hmm. right? I mean, on the simplest level, we would hope that we're all working for clients who would want more of the right type of customer in the right area and things like that. But there's something around that. And so really, as this story, it just means that we're creating a story that drives to that. We're not leading with the idea that, hey, if you connect with this, but we're telling a story that's going to, if they enjoy it, 
actually get people to come in and, and join, right? So it's more of a receding factor, We're, but it is important that we define that purpose. So Does that make the, sense? Yeah, here the purpose is the purpose of the story being told, not necessarily the purpose of the brand or the business. Like not, not the, the, It's the not the why. purpose of yeah. the... Yeah, it's not the purpose of the brand. It's not the purpose of the character. It's the purpose that you, behind the piece you're creating. Right. And that's going to overlap, right? You know, certainly a brand is going to tell, create a marketing campaign or whatever that's going to overlap with them if they are, you know, consistent and <laughs> they are authentic to who they are, um, but they are different. And that I might be doing this campaign because I have a specific goal in mind. It could be getting more Facebook likes. It could be getting email signups. It could be getting new customers. It could be to spread an idea. Um, but in this case, we're saying that Jack and his partners are creating this piece because they actually want more people at their law firm, right? So we're using that as a as a filter to make our decisions to go, okay, well, how do we include elements that actually help do that? Um, and then the last and one of the toughest elements then is plot, is story structure, and so we look at how do we create a sequence of events that maximizes your connection to your, the character and your emotional investment so that you feel the actual kind of crescendo. Um, and that is born out of conflict, right? So character is about desire. What do they want? And story is nothing more than a yearning meeting an obstacle, right? So Jack has got this desire to, you know, create, to, to be a lawyer, to try and help businesses and people, you know, stay safe and, and really – live their, their dream and fulfill that. But what gets in the way of that? And that's a big thing that most storytellers or content makers are missing is that we don't embrace conflict. And, you know, so the, the, the conflict could be that there are so many other uh, legal firms out there that are taking advantage of small businesses. And, you know, there's a document that they could get for $99, but they're charging them $2,400 and they're kind of holding them hostage because, you know, they know that there's no other way or, um, anything like that, but you're actually trying to really understand what that conflict could be. And then you're creating a beginning, middle end around it. I think that, uh, that plot is one of the easiest things to forget about or to not understand enough to, to incorporate into your storytelling. And I think that comes down to the fact that that idea of conflict is not necessarily, depending on the story that you're telling, is not necessarily something that you immediately think that there needs to be conflict in here. But as you point out, without conflict, there's no story. There's no journey that that, that characters or character is going on. Yeah. Well, there's a story. It's just a shitty story. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and it's, an, it's an important distinction because we are all storytellers. You know, we are hardwired from the age of three or four to start telling stories, give a child a toy and they all of a sudden start, you know, creating fictional worlds. They create stories. Mm -hmm. If I give you three words, dog, walk, night, most people, if they think about dog, walk, night, are going to think about somebody walking a dog at night. You can probably picture a street around your house. And it's not. It's three random words. It's not a story. Your, your brain is hardwired to create the connection and make it into a story, right? And so we are naturally storytellers. However, what we need to develop is the craft of telling a great story so that we create that emotional you know, impact and so that people actually take action. Because so often we focus on ourselves and we don't have the discipline to tell a strong story which means actually you know, taking the time to get to know the different partners, choosing Jack as our perspective, defining our purpose, finding the strongest places, and then structuring it in a way so that you feel the conflict, you go on a journey, and when Jack finally you know, finds these other two people and opens up his law firm, you're on the edge of your seat cheering like, hell yeah. And when you do that, it doesn't even matter that he's a lawyer anymore. 
you transcend the genre, right? One of our documentaries went on a nine-year-old girl fighting child slavery with lemonade. People that watch that movie weren't watching it because they cared about slavery. Like there's not a lot of people who want to actively engage in some really heavy, dark stuff. But a nine-year-old girl trying to change the world with lemonade, that's exciting, right? And when you can care about the character and their desire and overcoming the conflict, it doesn't matter that it's about slavery anymore, which is the magic of story. Because now you watch this and you get emotionally invested in this girl going on this journey. And at the end, we would have people who would donate money to the cause or they'd go back and set up their own lemonade stand to try and make a difference. And all kinds of – I had an eight-year-old kid at a theater who watched the movie and said he was going to ask his teacher where the chocolate at Halloween came from to make sure that it didn't have you know any slavery in it. Like just crazy things that we never told them they had to do, but the story created the connection and they came to their own conclusion that, hey, I can, I can do something here. Yeah. I think that's actually a really nice transition into where I'd like to, to go now is to talk about your original web series, um, the remarkable ones that you're in your, you and your team are putting together and, or have put together and are now in the process of releasing. And what I'd like to explore is where, where that motivation and drive came from to put together your own content um, around the remarkable ones and and uh, you know how you go about that process of applying that storytelling uh, a process to to what you're doing there in these short documentaries with with real impact yeah um, so what w- what is the specific question you want to start with though yeah so I guess um <laughs> there's a lot around the series <laughs> there was a lot there so yeah absolutely help, help rank me in. start by what was your what was your motivator or, or driving force behind creating your own content in the first place? Well, I mean, that's how it originally started, right? I mean, we started off the podcast talking about being a psych student and having all these things we wanted to express. Um, But that led into weddings and weddings into, you know, work for NFL and all these other different commercial brands. And all of a sudden we found ourselves like Emmy award winners three, four years in and working for some of the biggest brands, but we were telling their stories. And this actually started because we had things we wanted to say. Um, And so it was about getting back to what this was actually about for us and and expressing the types of stories and creating the kind of action and feelings that um, we were actually about. Um, And we, we, it was a long evolution and it still is, you know, of doing um, short films pro bono for cafes and whatnot, and then doing a feature length documentary and, you know, for, several hundred thousand dollars and losing (laughs) a lot of money in doing that kind of thing and going, okay, this is probably not the right path for us to try and spend years making one story to lose money. All of this work like that doesn't work. How do we take that idea of the nine-year-old girl lemonade inspiring story, really creating real action, but bring it into something we can do in two days? Because in two days, that's a weekend. I can be in, you know, Chiang Mai or, or um, Vietnam doing a workshop, and I can take a weekend and go tell a story. Um, and that's where it kind of started going, okay, so we've got all of these amazing access to possible stories because we travel for work, because we teach all over the world. And so we can do really, you know, what is the most powerful story we could do in two days? Um, and it was going, it's going to be a single character, their intimate, you know, personal journey, and the biggest thing that they've learned. And so we started finding people like a quadriplegic who spent nine years modifying an airplane and flew across the country by himself with 6% of his body function, just like mind blowing stuff. And we would spend a couple days with him and get a really powerful story or a, um, a girl in Vietnam who grew up with exposure to agent orange 
And so she was about, you know, 35 pounds at age 30, just like a small, frail frame in her wheelchair. Yet her dream was to be a model. And you can imagine the resistance, somebody who doesn't, you know, fit the ideal cultural norms of beauty. And while we were in Vietnam, she put on the world's first fashion show that featured predominantly disabled people. And it was with the United Nations. They had, you know, famous designers fly over and so powerful to have a massive crowd where people who, you know, didn't fit the, you know, the cultural norms stand up and go like, I'm beautiful too. Uh, and so just really crazy stories of people um, and their personal journeys and, and them overcoming obstacles to do something really powerful. So we started to put them together. Didn't know what it was going to be. Didn't know how we'd bring it out to the world, anything else. Um, and for the last two years, we've been collecting those. Um, we've been shooting them. We've been editing them, putting them together and uh, really still not sure, like hoping somebody will help pay for the distribution so they can reach more people, trying sponsorships, trying all kinds of models until we kind of went, we just need to start putting these out there and we need to tell the story of why we do this and what these are and try and build an audience so that we can create more of these because we couldn't get anybody to buy in early on. Um, but that's where the idea and that's kind of the evolution of the idea and where we're at now is we are releasing episode five this week. Um, out of eight for our first season. And we're doing everything we can to have these eight episodes give us the ability to create another season of uh, of the show. And each of the stories in The Remarkable Ones have have different people, places and, and, and plots. And I guess there's an underlying different purpose there with each one as well. But is there yep. a, beneath the series a an overarching purpose uh, that ties ties them together in some way? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, so what we do is we have keywords for the series, right? An overall purpose behind it. And then we also have keywords for every episode. Yeah. So there's a specific objective inside of that. Um, and really a lot of it is about really creating connection, creating unity and, um, having, giving people the ability to step inside the shoes of somebody who lives and has experienced life in a completely different way and learn from them. And through that, we can gain a completely new perspective, that we can become so biased and have such a paradigmatic way of thinking that, like, the way I live in Australia or America is the only way to live. Like, and we don't naturally explore that or say that, but we often think that, like, this is just the way you live. And it takes seeing somebody grow up in Vietnam or a girl who grew up with, like, an elephant as her sister to go, oh, my God. There are completely different ways of existing on this earth. And in going through their journey and seeing their obstacles, we can learn so much from them. Um, and I think that that just makes us uh, wiser. It makes us more open. It makes us more tolerant. Um, and that is that is the kind of underlying theme behind the series is stories that will inspire you, but also offer wisdom of another way of seeing the world. Yeah. And I can tell you for those people listening that the stories of the remarkable ones that I've seen so far, you know, Ones that stand out for me is the quadriplegic, the Aussie quadriplegic pilot, um, Dave, yeah. uh, Dave Jacker. Jacker yep. That's right, Dave Jacker, and, and Jason Zook, who made his living selling t-shirts, uh, space on t-shirts, and wearing t-shirts for a living. It's um, made it, it's a million really, dollars. I know, you know right? It, I think the crazy thing about it is I started watching that story, thinking, ah, oh, yeah, you know, startup kind of million dollar, you know, typical American kind of story of this kind of raving success, but. The story, I won't, uh, no spoilers here, but the story takes a twist, which makes it, makes that connection, I think. Well, it made a connection for me in a way that I wasn't expecting. And I think, um, 
you know, that's the power in the stories. And that was, I'm not sure of the duration of that, that short film there, but it wasn't particularly long. Um, but it was enough to, to make me think differently and to change. So that one really stood oh, out yeah. in a way that I didn't expect it to when I, uh, you know, read, I guess, the synopsis of what it was going to be about. Yeah. Well, um, and, and I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, I, I feel like we've done a um, a good job of telling somebody's story when we can come back to it and watch it, and it has that same impact on us. I mean, we spend months developing the story. You know, we do a lot of research. We do a lot of development before we actually put it together. But I can remember before we released Jason's Zook's episode, um, you know, there's nine months between when it was finished and when it goes out. And I watched the whole thing again and I was like, damn, I got to ask for more in my life. Like I was in his story and I was like, like I relearned that lesson and I was emotionally charged to actually like take action based on um, what he had shared. Uh, and and that's that's the magic, right? You can you can take somebody's decades of experiences and failures and everything else, and in an instant, you can get the emotion and the inspiration to apply that to a different action that you can take in your own life. Yeah, absolutely. And I strongly encourage anyone listening to this to to check out the series. Um, I do want to uh, close on one more question, but before we do, before we move on from the remarkable ones, what? If there was a call to action for people listening, apart from, you know, watch watch the the series um, or watch the films, is there anything that you would like to say to anyone about the remark ones to get them behind what you're doing? I, I think the, the you know we are a studio who has taken a leap to go out and tell the stories that we believe need to be told, and you know it's funded by us. Um, we do it on our weekends and our time when we're traveling and everything else, and so we put a lot of ourselves because we believe that the world needs more stories like this, and that we can all um, we can all grow and learn through kind of really powerful content. Uh, and so the way that people can help is by watching and sharing whatever stories they connect with. You know, we like to say find one story you personally connect with and share it in a real and well relevant way. So it's not about just going and blasting out the series. It's not about sharing everything. It's about actually looking at them, reading about the episodes and then going and sharing the one story in the one way that's going to help somebody. Um, and for example, Dave Jacka, the quadriplegic story is great for people who are struggling with believing in themselves or overcoming adversity or anything like that. Um, and we've had people watch that and say, hey, my friend recently got in an injury or my friend was really dealing with you know issues like Dave Jacka and I sent it to them and it moved them to tears. And it made them feel like all of a sudden they could overcome this injury and they could come back and they still had more to look forward to. And, and that's what it's about. Right. Watching it, watching the, the content and finding the people that you feel it can really help and intentionally sharing it. And that's that's what we ask for. Don't blast it out to everybody, but actually use the content to help make a difference in for somebody that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, the remarkable ones dot org. If you want to check that out, guys, um, I just want to close on uh, the idea that storytelling is it's kind of almost synonymous with filmmaking and that's obviously your, your main area of, of the craft of storytelling. But, you know, for listeners who are looking to use story to engage audiences, to take action, whether that be, I mean, we use the example of, um, you know, brand filmmaking, um, or the, the law firm before, but you know, how can you use story just more in your everyday communication in, in business or, or in life? to move people to take action or is it as simple as that or is that oversimplified? 
I think, you know, there's a, there's a quote by Seth Godin, you know, an incredible um, marketer. And he says that marketing is no longer about the stuff you make, but about the stories you tell. And, you know, it's certainly something that we um, advocate for, you know, in our own words, we say that, you know, it's about the stories you tell, not the products you sell. And I think understanding and learning how to tell your own story is the biggest thing that any freelancer or agency or business can do. And, And by that, I mean, actually thinking about those pillars, the people, the places, the purpose and the plot and going, how do I actually tell this in a powerful way? Because creating an emotional experience for your clients, for whoever you work for, that pulls them into who you are is in many ways the deciding factor about whether or not you get a job, whether or not they drink your coffee, whether or not they download and try your product. Um, and we don't spend enough time on that. We we, we just naturally gravitate towards the features and benefits, right? Hey, I make this app. It's going to do ABC for you. And that does work. Like that can, you know – work, but it doesn't help you stand out from all the other apps or all the other coffee shops or all the other freelancers who also do this. What does is when you tell a powerful story that really gets at who you are, what makes you different and takes people on a journey so they feel a deeper connection to you and they're emotionally moved. Um, So I think that is the single biggest thing we can all learn to do is to tell our own story. And I will say that we've landed jobs upwards of $450,000 because of the story we told. And I say because of the story we told, because the CEO wrote us and said, look, we had submissions from Nat Geo and from all these other big organizations who are incredibly competent, but we went with you because of the story you told, because of how connected we were to your passion and what this is about. And it's so underrated. It's so undervalued, the actual time we spend to develop our own story and create that experience for our clients so they can be more connected to us than the specific product and features that it has. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just to, uh, one last thing is, is where do you think the future of storytelling is going as a, as a form of communication? I mean, obviously the, the mediums in which we tell stories may change um, as technology changes and things like that. But do you see that storytelling evolves or changes over time or is it something that is just a, a base, you know, fact of life or, or process? You know, is there is there a way it can change or evolve or or not? Yeah, well, I think I think what you see, you know, culturally as our forms of communication evolve, the ways in which we tell stories um, have an opportunity to evolve. Uh, I, I believe very deeply that being able to tell a powerful story in whatever form is always going to connect. So if you're just a great writer or you're a great speaker or you can make films, whatever that is, if you can tell a great story, it will connect with people regardless of our cultural evolution. Um, But the opportunity is also to look at, say, Facebook trends and how attention spans are shortening and how there's a lot more text and titling. And, you know, people watch videos now without sound. And so you need to look at how do you use text to help drive the narration with the hope that I can pull you enough into the story that you might stop and turn on the volume. Um, And that's a huge thing that if you just approach storytelling from a traditional sense, you can get missed by so many people. Um, So there's opportunities now to look at the ways in which um, we communicate on social media and in other ways and how do we adapt our storytelling to be the best it can inside of those structures. And I think when we do that, we see that we can – have incredibly more effective, you know, Facebook campaigns or AdWord campaigns or whatever it is, because we've now 
paired story with where that medium is currently at instead of trying to impose ourselves on it and put something that totally doesn't fit. Yeah, awesome. What a great way to end up this podcast chat. Um, Patrick Moreau, thank you. I was seriously pumped to speak to you today and you haven't let me down. Um, I'm actually can't wait to listen back to this myself and have saw more of it um, because I think there were so many nuggets of, of really useful information in there to apply and improve my approach to storytelling through my own business. And I hope that the listeners as well really, really get a lot from this as well. So where can we find out more about you? I called out before the remarkableones.org is a place to check out that web series. But for people who are interested in finding out more about you and what you do, where can people find out more? Uh, musestorytelling.org, just M-U-S-E storytelling.org. And, uh, you know, we have a ton of really powerful content, totally free on our blog. You can download, um, you know, a 40 page ebook that breaks down plot structure and really kind of shows you how to create that, you know, powerful story, um, all kinds of resources. And then as people kind of dive into us more, we've got online courses, we have our own software, uh, but Muse Storytelling is where you will find, uh, everything that we do. Awesome. And as always, we'll include all those links in the show notes, guys. So all is left to say is thank you, Patrick, for your time. I appreciate the time you've given to us and the listeners today. Um, all the best with the remarkable ones and the, the rest of the release of this series and for what we hope to be a fantastic series too of the remarkable ones. Um, I hope so as well. <laughs> yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. Right, what an awesome chat with the incredibly genuine and passionate Patrick Moreau. Once again, theremarkableones.org to go and check out what they're doing with that web series. And I can tell you some of the films that have already been released are pretty much unforgettable. So go and check it out and follow the journey as the Muse storytelling team bring these stories to life. So as always, show notes are over at engagevideomarketing.com slash podcast. And I'd love you to send me a tweet or reach out to me at engage underscore Ben or leave a comment on the blog. What were your key takeaways from that chat with Patrick? As always, to end the show on a quote, this time by Joseph Campbell himself. If you're going to have a story, have a big story or none at all. So I'd love for you to subscribe on iTunes, leave a review and tune in again next week for a chat with my friend, mentor and video marketing legend Gideon Shalwick as we once again dive deep into how storytelling with purpose moves people to take action. <laughs>